Hello, and welcome to the MKG Podcast, the podcast that helps marketers grow their businesses using the four M's, the right means, messaging, media, and measurement. I'm your host, Carrie Gard, and to help me introduce today's guest, I have our account director, Jenna Hassenkamp. Jenna, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jenna, what, what does agile mean to you? And that agile as in just the the standard word, but agile in the sense of agile and scrum. Uh, what does it mean to you? And have you heard of it before you came to MKG? So I'll start with the, the second half of that question. I had not really heard of agile before coming to MKG, but I had worked a bit in scrum because I'd worked on two website redesign um, projects. And that was how the development team ran their projects. So I didn't own the process, but I participated in, in, in it in our uh, morning standups. So I had a little bit of experience there. But um, coming into MKG, where we run through a modified version of uh, Scrum and Agile, it's a very different experience. And I had a lot to learn, um, including a book that, uh, that Mike actually gave me to <laughs> learn about velocity. And I've done a lot of thinking and planning and processing while I've been at MKG to adapt the system further to, uh, to work for what we do. So what we do is uh, SEO, PPC, and analytics, uh, not creative and not development. So it's a little bit unique in figuring out how to use a developer-based system for uh, that kind of work. But I find it actually works really well because it allows us to be flexible for client expectations, deliverables, and trends which are really, really big things in the SEO world, especially. Um, and PPC frequently too, because our clients' priorities change as, you know, right now the world is changing every day. Things are very unpredictable uh, and budgets change, priorities change. And by working in an agile Scrum-based system, we're able to be pretty flexible with that too, in terms of we don't have these huge project plans built out for the most part so that if some other opportunity comes through or something else is needed by a client, uh, we can adapt and reprioritize what we're working on that week or at the latest the following week. I love it. Uh, we adopted it five years ago. And our guest today is uh, Lisa Farrell, who is a marketing agilist and project manager skilled in leading high productivity across teams. And, you know, having done this five years ago, it's really helped, in my opinion, our workflow. It used to be this... Um, what they call waterfall back in the day uh, where, and we, and Lisa and I will talk about this, but it's basically where you sort of create this giant plan ahead of time and then you execute it end to end. And then it's basically what you had planned versus what you executed is no longer relevant. And so it's keeping that relevancy um, and, and allowing you to move much more quicker and towards the, the end goal and actually being relevant throughout the process. So I, I absolutely love it. It also is checks and balances. It's also accountability and transparency and all these things that we need, especially right now. Uh, I actually moved my entire podcasting schedule around because I felt like everybody needed to hear this conversation given the new normal of working from home and what that means for a lot of companies and how that accountability and transparency could be created without the sort of micromanaging that sometimes comes along with not having that visibility of what your team is up to and feeling like you have to tap them on the shoulder 
or ping them over Slack or Zoom or whatever the case may be every five seconds to say, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? Because I can't say what you're doing. So I'm going to ask you constantly, how are you doing? Um, so this was a really great conversation with Lisa. And I think it's really relevant for what we need right now. So let's take a listen. Hello, Lisa. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Carrie, for having me on today. I'm really excited about this conversation because I think it's coming in a time where it's going to be really helpful as people shift mindsets to working from home. And even once mm -hmm. they go back in the office, you know, to have these things already sort of in place, I think it's going to be really great. But before we get to the crux of our conversation around marketing processes and processes for teams in general, uh, why don't you tell our listeners about you, what you do, and how you got there? Yes. So um, a little bit about me. I am a uh, computer science undergrad that um, made a very quick switch to marketing uh, very early in my career, primarily because I knew I was more of a people person and I love to be creative. And um, after about 20 some odd years, I hate to say it, um, I'm still in marketing and having a lot of fun with it. But I actually made a, a bit of a course uh, detour around last summer when I immersed myself into a series of agile classes. Um, I've always been very heavy in managing my, my marketing projects, if you will. And I felt that it would be important to um, essentially formalize it. And so I sought out um, what was the latest and greatest in project management and agile is the word and um, proceeded to secure several certifications. So I went through the, the scrum master course and the product owner, product manager course, as well as what's called leading safe, um, which is essentially a leadership level um, perspective of it. And now um, I'm happy to say that I am effectively mashing up marketing and agile um, in a way that's helping teams to be more effective. And so that's my, really my mission. Um, I've lived through a lot of some pain points throughout my marketing career, and I'm happy to, to see how agile is, is actually somewhat of a solution to, to try to address some of those things. So that's where I am now and um, working with uh, a couple of clients and uh, essentially helping them through this transition. Let's talk, I like what you said about how you had your own pain points and then, you know, found solutions for that. Before we get into the solutions, let's, uh, let's uncover some of those pain points because I'm sure you're not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were they? Well, um, the more common ones is that, you know, there's this very heavy up in planning um, in very traditional marketing. And um, so you, you do you get your customer research, you get your market research, you get a sense of where you want, you know, where the business needs their marketing to be. And you go through the process of getting the approvals up the line, up to, you know, the C-suite. And then January, February comes and you're like, okay, now it's time to go. <laughs> and sure enough, the, the perspectives that you researched back in August and September may have changed or, you know, a new competitor has come in and totally disrupted 
what you were basing your strategies on. So essentially uh, a little bit of the rug being pulled underneath you. Mm -hmm. um, and then also with this quote unquote annual plan that you now have created, uh, things like a pandemic comes in, <laughs> right? And so the whole world has changed. And so now you have uh, essentially no plan. Um, so I've been in situations where things like that has happened. And so, you know, once you get court towards your mid-year, the plan that you spent months creating essentially is out the window and, mm -hmm. and not even relevant. Um, and then another pain point is obviously just the, 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 the volume and pace of, of requests and continuous um, changing of priorities, which again, I'm sure it happens in every business function, but particularly in marketing where you're trying to support the business growth, when those things happen, it just becomes chaotic. It so, feels like trying to move a, a large cruise ship. Yes. Right? Yes. Instead of a tugboat. Exactly. So, you know, so between your plans constantly changing and the, 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 you know, sort of the mixture of demand and, and, you know, lack of clarity as to what's that one thing that you should be focusing on, it really makes it a challenge to be a marketer. Um, so, you know, again, I, I love being in this, in this uh, profession, but this, these are things that were part of my reality. And so, you know, now I have some framework and tools to help address that. So let's talk about that. Uh, Agile, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's new. I feel like it's been around now mm -hmm. um, for a while, especially when this, you know, the scrum book came out. Yes. I know I read it uh, as soon as it hit the shelves and, uh, and we adapted it pretty quickly as a marketing agency. But I, um, and I know a lot of tech clients tend to pick this up because they're working a lot with developers and they're in the tech space. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a plenty of other verticals out there who are hopefully listening who aren't, you know, have those tools readily available. So let's right. back up for a minute and just define what this agile thing means. Yes. So agile was in fact birth out of software development. Um, that's where it started. And I'd say going back probably about 10 years ago, um, there were a number of developers that got together actually on a ski trip. <laughs> and so they were essentially just having a, a sort of a bitch session, if I, if I could use that term. Mm -hmm. What is wrong with, with their work? And out of that, they, they essentially started talking about how they were in individually trying to solve and sort of collectively made some agreements and that became the Agile Manifesto and just kind of their intent of trying to um, shift things and make, it, make how they work differently. And so um, they've been doing that for, as I said, about 10 years or so. And I believe what's started to happen is that other functional areas are seeing how well this has been working in their IT teams, that they're like looking over the fence saying, hey, what are you guys doing over there? How, how are you doing this so well? And how can we be a part of that? Or how can we you know, adopt some of this? So 
that started to seep into marketing. I believe it's also happening in HR and I mm -hmm. hear some legal folks are looking at it and even sales. And so it's a matter, agile is really a matter of one having the mindset to say, you know, first of all, things are gonna change. So it's okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> but let's be um, ready to pivot and, and, and ask ourselves hard questions so that when we do make that pivot, we're being consistently focused on our end customer. And so it becomes this framework of how you, you take big bodies of work and you're able to say, okay, you know, this is doable, but we've got to use, work with the team. So heavy collaboration and work together to break things apart into pieces and Let's work on a cadence so that we know that we're like, we can actually try to introduce the customer to an early version of our solutions, get some feedback from them, and then go back to the shop and say, okay, now how do we keep iterating off of this? And so it becomes a framework of working as a team, getting that continual feedback from the customer and just continuing to charge through what could be a big project but you've now made it into manageable pieces. Yep. So to take an even bigger step back, you know, generally workflows, the way that they used to happen pre-agile is they were what was called waterfall. Mm -hmm. And so you would have, um, just like you were saying, Lisa, where you have this sort of big project, you plan for everything in advance, mm -hmm. and then you create this giant timeline and you basically execute on the plan and you don't deviate from the plan. Yes. <laughs> yes. You stay with that plan because you spent time creating it. Yep. Your research and all those inputs dictate that that plan needs to stay exactly where it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so Agile came in and was like totally, basically threw that on its head and said, we're going to start at the end mm -hmm. and we're going to work backwards right. and, and iterate. That's really the, like mm -hmm. the main crux of agile. And I definitely want your input on this, Lisa, but to me, that's what agile really means is this yes. opportunity to iterate. You're not yes. going to stick to the plan. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because you're really, you're, t you're as a team, right? You're, you're taking your team that, you know, can be um, there. Everyone on the team is capable of doing what function they need to handle. And now you're saying, look, we all can, we can find that, that one little piece of deliverable, we call it an MVP and mm -hmm. say, okay, now let's get to that first. And then let's, let's share it with our customers and then see what, if they like it, if they frown on it, then guess what? That's our opportunity to say, well, you know, if they don't like this, then may, they may not like that end plan that we had. So maybe we need to rethink. And that's the whole point of Agile being flexible and adjusting through those iterations. Yeah, you got to move with your customer is really, yeah. is really what it comes down to. So, um, so the yes to all those pain points, I certainly had them uh, in in my lifetime of agencies, um, where you do put this whole plan together, you go to execute it, it, you know, falls flat on its face and you can't figure out why. And then you create a new plan to iterate on that, mm -hmm. but that's like three, six months down the road. Exactly. It definitely feels like moving a cruise ship versus this little tugboat that we want to, um, that would be a lot easier to move. Uh, so in this new realm of agile, um, and moving away from, 
waterfall. It is a, it's a mind shift. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's the first step you need to take in even approaching this concept? How do you get started? Yeah, that's a very great, very key question. Um, it starts with the leadership feeling comfortable and willing to allow their teams or their, their employees to, to focus on this and, and, and work this in this new way. Um, because it is quite different. If um, the teams just embark on it by themselves and not really gain that, that buy-in from the top, the problem may occur where they're chugging along and they may actually fail. They may have an MVP that doesn't really get good feedback. And so if you have a leader that's looking at that saying, hmm, what are you guys doing? Why did you do that? Why, why didn't you just create your plan and do your normal process, your waterfall-based process? They're not going to get it. So the top really has to understand, you know, what is agile? What is that growth mindset? What is, um, you know, the structure of the team and how the team works? and the whole notion of uh, increments. So that as they're seeing things happen, they're not overreacting and trying to shift them back into the way they used to work. So if you're a marketer, you're listening to this, and you're like, oh man, that sounds so right on. I wanna do this thing. The mm-hmm. first thing you gotta do, it sounds like, is take it to the top. Yeah. And get that take it. To- and I'd say also just take it to the top and not necessarily say, okay, now everyone in marketing is going to start doing this. Mm-hmm. It is really an approach to say, well, what can, can you, and it, you know, obviously have this thinking before you begin the discussion with whoever is on the C-suite, but what is it that we can take off of the big, you know, what the big piece of what's going on for the year and say, this project, this one little project, let's start with this thing and present this as a a proposal to say we're going to pilot agile using this project and so you know flesh out the whole proposal of what does that mean and look like so that then there's a, a, a reaction to say okay i'm willing to let that start off because then you want to demonstrate all of the benefits that come from implementing this way so that there's greater sort of strength behind the notion of, okay, now let's go into another project and then another one. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, cause part of the selling this into the C-suite is you got to lead with the benefits, right? Why, mm-hmm. why on earth are you going to uproot <laughs> all of these processes that we took so much time to build right? and, and totally diverge from this. What's, what's the payoff? The payoff is um, having your customer get what they really need and want. That's the, the primary thing. Secondly, it's time. So the actual time to delivery, time to market. There's the insights gained from those, those incremental testing and refinement. Um, there's the, the notion of the team really focusing the whole prioritization of this, of the team working in this way is extremely powerful. And so it leads to the, the time, the market, the profitability, because you're, you're, you're essentially 
saying, okay, you guys do really nothing else. <laughs> this is your, this is your job is to focus on working with this team so that it just, it doesn't by nature of that, you're going to get things out the door faster. Yeah. Right there. Out mm -hmm. the door faster. Yes. Yeah. And then iterate on it and make it better faster as well. Um, exactly. And, and, the, and, the, marketing. and the cyclical approach to just continually get testing and, and presenting the customer with something that they can react to. That is extremely powerful because then you have customers that say, okay, you know, I could see that they're really trying to make sure I'm, I'm being understood. And we all know when you have customers that feel like they're understood, they become more loyal and, and, they, and you have higher retention. So it, it leads to a whole another set of benefits. But just that whole notion that you're not just kind of being in your own little camp or your lab and you're working and working and working and then you're saying, okay, customer here. And the customer's like, well, what's that? I didn't ask for that. I didn't want that. Right. So it's, it's the opposite. Complete cyclical iterations, gathering that feedback, going back and saying, okay, did they like it? Did they hate it? And continually working as a team. So let's talk about how we actually unpack this and bring it to life because it still feels, um, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but it is, it is very hard. You know, I get it cause I do it right. Like I put this in, I read this book, uh, what was it? 2020, uh, 12, mm -hmm. 2015. Um, and then I turned around to my four person team and said, we're going to do this, which is really easy to do with a four person team yes. where you don't have a lot of processes and things already set up. Like we weren't, we weren't unhinging a lot to make this thing happen. It was actually probably our first framework where we were like, oh, we're actually going to have a framework and, and mm -hmm. actually work within something where we've never done that before. But for marketing teams who've been around for a long time, doing things the waterfall way, you know, I'm trying to imagine sitting, you know, on one of my marketing teams pre MKG and having this thing brought to me and being like, wait, you want me to do what now? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so let's unpack this a little bit and talk yeah. about like, okay, so let's assume C-suite said, yep, take your little project. Let's see how this thing unfolds. Mm -hmm. You know, what's that? Where do you get started? So there are, um, under the umbrella, I'll just kind of step back on the kind of the education realm first. Mm -hmm. Under the umbrella of Agile, there are actually like several different types of uh, frameworks. And uh, again, a lot of them used for software development. Mm -hmm. But there are two in particular that are most commonly used. And um, again, those, those other business functions that are now adopting Agile tend to use these two. One is uh, Scrum. And that's the book that you're, you're referencing mm -hmm. um, that was written on this topic. But the second one is also called Kanban. Mm -hmm. And so these two frameworks are the ones that are most commonly used in, in marketing teams. Um, I'll just say this up front, just so that there's clarity. They're rarely used straight out of the box as they were defined and created. Let's just say that. Yeah. So a lot of times, um, and this is actually recommended that these, these tools are you are, are examined to say, okay, 
what is it that we can use in them and what do we not quite feel comfortable with right now? Right. So it's a lot. Right. And so the whole aspect of it is to say, you know, how does a team want to adopt it so that you create your own hybrid, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then that way you're actually working with something that you feel most comfortable with. And guess what? You can iterate Mm -hmm. (laughs) how much of the framework you add on over time as you start to grow in the practice of it. I think one key element to remind everybody of too is you can make this, at least I found, and I love your, your input on this, Lisa, in my, in my feeling of it and how we've done it, is you can make it as complicated or mm-hmm. as simple yes. Yes. as you like, essentially. Yes. That's exactly it. So just quickly with Scrum, essentially Scrum is, um, there's, a, there's a very sort of formulaic, you know, there's, there's three roles, there's, um, there's five um, um, ceremonies as they call them. And so there's, there's really all these kind of very detailed um, aspects of it. But at the core of it, it is really saying, let's say you have a, a, a a marketing vision and let's let's really kind of keep it at a quarter time frame right so in this quarter this marketing team wants to achieve this vision and so with the scrum team you're actually going to have someone who's kind of like your your coach and they're going to work with the folks um, that are on the team you're going to have someone uh, a role that's really going to be focused on the customer needs and their perspective And so collectively between the coach and this customer facing person and the rest of the team, you're going to create a list of essentially the, the things that you want to accomplish in that quarter, just a a running list, right? No particular order, just sit down, have a big, you know, powwow ideation session and say, here are the things we want to accomplish in this quarter. And then with again the key person that has the customer facing perspective that person is going to lead the effort to say now here's the order here are the top three things or five things that i think are should come off of this list and those five things because i'm going to use it for five things are then what the team focuses on for a designated time frame and that's you usually call it a sprint mm-hmm. And so that sprint can be a week, right? And so literally the team sits down and says, okay, for this sprint, for this upcoming week, we have these five things. Now we want to make sure we know all that's entailed with these things so that we can end the week knowing that we've successfully completed these five things. And so they do a little planning session before the sprint starts. Then the gun goes off, go. So those five days in that sprint, everyone is focused on this, on those five efforts, not, not everything, not everything that's on that initial list, but just those five prioritized items. And actually every morning, this is the kicker every morning for 15 minutes, the team gets together and they meet to answer just three questions. Each person answers three questions. What did I do the day before? aligned with those five initiatives? What am I going to do today 
with regards to those five initiatives, as well as what are some of the problems or blockers that I'm facing. So for 15 minutes in every morning, everyone stands together. Now, of course, nowadays we're in a Zoom room, <laughs> yep. but they, they gather together for 15 minutes to start their day off. So it's, that's that focus that allows the team to really charge through what needs to be done for this sprint. And so this speaks to accountability. It's very transparent who has done what, who may have not accomplished what they said they were going to do, and what kind of problems are, are, are coming up that need to be addressed. I feel like this is one of, if you, it's like, Lisa, it's like you said, you don't need to take everything within the framework and use every aspect of it. You really mm -hmm. need to take the things that work for you. Right. I have to say, though, this is probably the most important thing you can do. Yes. I the agree. most important, especially when you're working remotely now and having never worked remotely before and you're not sure what's going on with your team and you can't see them and you can't walk over their desk and you can't check on them. This is the best way, just like you're saying, to create that transparency and accountability 15 mm -hmm. minutes in the morning. Yeah. And this is not a time to problem solve. This is no. a time to just uncover where yes. you might need to go problem solve. And we like, we use the term, take it offline. Okay, great. We see that that's a roadblock. We're going to take that offline and create another meeting for it and hash that out and get you unblocked. It's not the time to unblock people. It's the time to uncover what those flags are. Right. And exactly. So if everyone stays true to those three questions, now this, that's actually the job of the coach, mm -hmm. right? So that's the reason why that role is so important because instinctually, we all want to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And so it can, it was, if someone mentions it, then it's a natural part of the discussion to keep talking about it. Nope. Like you said, table it. We're going to, you know, defer to another meeting to discuss it in, at length. But those 15 minutes are really just to cover those, those three questions. Now, what is, what's important that happens at the end of the sprint, and this is also another aspect, Mm -hmm. is really where if that if the uh those those five things that were prioritized actually produce something that can be put into in front of a customer then that is a great point at the end of that sprint to do a quick share with the customer so that they can actually see okay so here's here's something that they can react to now, if there's no opportunity to do that, then that's fine. But if there is, then that's an opportunity to demonstrate to the customer, okay, here's what we have as an MVP. What do you think? And gather input, response, feedback, like, dislike, and carry that back to the team. So the team actually can hear all of this and then be able to say, okay, great, that worked well, or no, they didn't like it, so what do we do now? And not only that, what's another very key step, and I, a lot of people try to jump over this, and I highly recommend that they don't, is the team has a retrospective mm -hmm. that basically says, okay, over these past five days, outside of what we delivered, how did the team work together? How, you know, what worked with the team, the process? Or, or with the individuals? Was there any kind of riff or was there something that just made someone kind
kind of, you know, get scales on their back because they, they didn't like it. You have to have that time for the team to sit down together and really look at each other and say, hey, you know, I didn't like this or I really love this. And so there's a lot of techniques for uh, retrospective sessions that really, that's, this is what keeps the team cohesive and working effectively together. Yep. So we have them, we do them uh, good. every that's Friday. Good. We do them for an hour and uh, it is important. I've seen, I've, I, I think one of the reasons why I picked up Agile and Scrum is because I naturally have a husband who's a developer. So that certainly helps. So it's been great seeing how he has done it with his teams and then how yes. we've sort of morphed it. But I've seen the two ways I've seen it done is for him, what him and his team used to do was every person went and every person talked about one thing that went well mm-hmm. and one thing they wish had gone better. And not something that they wish they had done better, but as a team, like you're saying, one thing they wish as a team collectively, they wish it had gone better. Um, again, it's not always about problem solving in that moment. It's just unearthing what are those opportunities of growth. Um, the way we do it's a little different uh, because for the tools that we use, we're allowed, we're able to actually, we create a retrospective board. And then throughout the week, when something comes up where you're like, oh, I think the team needs to know this, or I think this is something, an opportunity where it could have gone better. You don't have to wait till the end of the week to say it, or at least to forget, you don't want to forget it. So you have a place to go put it. Um, And so it gives an opportunity for somebody to sit down and thoughtfully write it out of how they want to say, you know, how they wish this thing had gone better. And then we also have an awesome sauce. So like, let's talk about the things that went well. Let's give kudos to each other and let's have a moment of like, hurrah. Um, And so we sort of split those two things out. Um, But I think it's really important that it's what you're saying, Lisa. It's about the team and the collaboration and talking as a group of how collectively things could have gone and trying very, I I don't know how you feel about this. Maybe this is more of, I should more of question this to you, Lisa. It's more of a personal feeling, but being very careful not to just single people out. I mean, should you single people out and say, we didn't get along and here's why, or like, no, not at all. Um, you know, and I obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer. If you have a little riff with a per, like a one-to-one person, you want to address that personally. But um, I think trying to refrain from finger pointing, particularly across the team, yeah, because okay. that's just unhealthy and um, it makes people feel very awkward <laughs> yeah. when, it, when yeah. it happens. So no one really wants wants that. Now, again, I'm a big proponent, and this is where, again, the coach comes into play. If they notice that particularly two people are having some personal rough, then they can address that as it needs to be. Um, but the, the, the whole point about working collectively and collaborating as this, as this scrum team is that the scrum team owns the work. So there's no one person that gets finger pointed at if things go wrong because the team owns it. And so if something does go wrong, the team has to own that it went wrong. Yes. I, yes, I like that. And I totally agree. Um, so you have your sprints, you have your standups and you have your retro. Mm-hmm. Those are definitely three key elements that we use. Um, let's talk about how you get from, uh, how you get through a sprint because I think this is where tooling comes in and, and is a necessity 
um, to make something like this work, or maybe not. I mean, if you're in a room together and you can use a whiteboard and you can create your own sort of um, on the wall Kanban board, that's great too. But right now, given the circumstances, you're going to need a tool. Yes. So yeah, let me just talk a little bit about Kanban because it's quite interesting. The notion of Kanban is, I don't don't know if you know the history, but it comes back from um, the days of, of Japanese manufacturing. Um, and it was a way of essentially making sure that there was continual flow in the work streams. And so, um, so we're, you know, essentially using this now in, in the agile world. Um, and it's, it's, it remains the same. It's about flow. And so if you think about that list, the, the list that the team had their ideation session and they just, so again, for the, the quarter time frame, they developed, let's say it's a list of 20 things, right? Um, that could actually be the first column of the Kanban board, right? So there are 20 sort of post-its, right? A very low, low um, what do you call it? Low cost, <laughs> low tech <laughs> approach is to have a, a big whiteboard and a, a series of columns. And so your very first column is going to be your backlog or your, your big list that your team identified. And essentially, um, the subsequent columns are essentially going to be your workflow to get those things done. And so a very common Kanban is the, the second column is to do, or, or just, I should say to do, but um, sort of prioritized, right? So off of the list of 20 comes those top five that the product owner, the customer face in person said, these are the top five. The next column after that is sort of in progress. So the team, someone in the team is like, yep, I'm picking this one and I'm starting it. So it's in progress. And the very last column is done. And once that person has effectively completed that task, then that post-it is pulled over to that last column. And so again, for that sprint, those five items that were put into that second column of prioritized and ready are then the focus for that sprint. And progressively, as each person takes that post-it and moves it to in progress and then to done, at the end of the sprint, everything should effectively be in the done column. And you have another meeting to calibrate for the subsequent, the next sprint, which is next week. You go back to that first column, which is your your list, your backlog list, and you pick the next prioritized list of items and pull that over to your second column. So that at the very core is your Kanban. I have worked with teams where we actually work through their very detailed workflow depending upon if they're creating um, content with an agency where they're dealing with legal reviews compliance reviews where there's testing for customer experience you know all of the various stages that marketing teams tend to go through those can actually be columns Mm -hmm. at the top of your kanban and then you're actually taking the initiatives and, or the, you know, the tasks and pulling them through each of those columns until they are released. 
and even a review, like if you, um, you know, if you're a marketing team and you have the manager and then the people, um, the, the marketing, um, people underneath the manager, then you could even have like a review column as well so that things are getting seen. I like to say that no person is an Island and nothing should get shipped without a second set of eyes. And so that's a really important aspect in marketing, Mm -hmm. um, to have that, you know, to figure out what those columns are and and every team's different your workflows are different. So you could definitely take aspects of your existing workflow and ensure to build in those, uh, sort of QA moments, like, okay, where do things need to be reviewed by us? Where do they need to be reviewed by legal? Um, And, and work that through. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. And that's, and that's, again, the, the beauty of, of this is you, you create what it is that you need so that you get to see how it's working. Now, um, as we said earlier on, you can make this as simple or, (laughs) or in, in depth as you want. And so there are elements of the Kanban that um, can really get more complicated, but I think they actually help. So there's no, this notion of work in progress where um, it's, it's part of this premise that if you put too much in one column, like there almost becomes like this, this bottleneck. And, and it's kind of this part of this, the psychology and the, the nature of teams where you put too much in that one column and it's like, almost like things just come to a halt. So work in progress actually says, okay, we can only put X number of things in this one column at any one time. And it almost forces, and it's, and it's, it's really interesting, it almost forces the team to say, okay, we need to be very efficient because we don't want things to get stuck in this column. So an example is um, agency, right? So agency is a, is, a, is a resource as part of a team and there's a certain bandwidth for your agency. And so let's say given the, eight, the uh, hypothetical agency t- uh, team size, they can only work on five creatives at one time. So in the column of your Kanban where you have creative development, where that's actually being worked on, like there's a brief that was been submitted and approved and it's moved into that column where the agency is gonna start focusing on it. The work in progress, or we call it the WIP, the WIP limit for that column should be five. So that means that anything leading into that, to that column that needs to be all work that's done, but it's gonna, it may have to stay in the column prior to it because if there are five items that are in the creative development column as it is, then nothing else can be pushed into it until this something comes out. I think that's so important uh, to look at your partners and to ensure that it's a priority point, right? Like yeah. what are... It really makes you consider your priorities and going back to the customer and what the customer needs, right? Exactly. And so it does really make you think about, okay, well, we have this much budget going to this agency. They can do these many hours. So we need to make sure that we limit to each sprint only giving them, making sure that they're getting these few things done. I think that's so important. And, And what we do actually is something else we ripped from Scrum that we use totally incorrectly, but it works for us is the velocity points. 
Mm. Um, so in scrum, when you're, when you're sprint planning, you're supposed to talk about each, okay, here are the five things we're going to do. Now let's talk about how complicated they are or how hard they are, right? It's not about hours. It's about complexity. So, you know, you each go around and you give a number to the task and then you all hold up your number and somebody might have a one and somebody might have a five. And it's like, why do you think this is going to be really easy? And why do you think this is going to be really difficult? And let's talk through some of those now and hash that out now and get all on the same page of how hard and difficult it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an exercise that I think is very powerful. Um, not too many mar- marketing teams do it. I think it would really help, but, um, it's really about the team collectively agreeing on that same uh, perspective. So, I mean, there are ways you can do it as a t-shirt sizing. So, you know, very like extra small, small, medium, large, extra large, right? And just very basically, and and making sure that there's clarity as to what those those distinct distinctions are across the team. But to your point in that initial ideation session, putting that sizing perspective on it and, um, and then having the team literally vote on each item so that it's clear that if everyone agrees that one of the items is all extra, they all vote extra small, perfect. Then that one is designated extra small. There may and the, be nice, a- the, the nice thing about that and the way that we use it is once it's designated extra small, then when you're delegating those tasks to people, if somebody has an extra large, don't expect them to be able to get done a lot. Yes. Right. Versus yes. somebody who probably has a bunch of extra smalls. Right. Right. So it helps exactly. you balance the labor as well. Yes. Exactly. At least that's how we use it. That's pretty the primary. The pri. Our all of our tasks are so are are very similar in what we do every every single week. We do have some one off projects, and that's when we have to sit down and sort of label them, um, having never you know done them for this specific client or we're approaching this project. You know, it's not new, whatever the case may be. But generally, we have we do the same things in mm-hmm. day in and day out, and so we already know what the points are. And so for us, it's more of just balancing workload, and it works really well for that. Yes, and that's, and that's the interesting thing about how um, agile marketing, I think, in some ways can be simple, and then it can mm-hmm. be a little complex, because for teams of your nature, where you are doing repetitive things, it, this does extremely, it works very well, because as you're saying, you can be, it's, it allows you to be uh, more predictive in the actions, and then you know, how you span that over a particular sprint. So you have better planning. When you have teams where um, there's a little more nuance in in their activities um, and the resources and their partners, that's where it gets a little tricky, but it's still doable, right? So I think um, that's, there's almost like a spectrum Mm -hmm. of of how marketing teams can be structured and, and therefore how agile marketing can, can help. So, but that's why people like me are needed. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's, it's not something, again, you can, I don't think anyone can really sit down and read a book. I mean, you, I, you know, kudos to you and your ability to uh, adopt it by, by reading the book. But because there's so many uh, levers to this, I think 
sometimes it does take someone who understands the framework at the core and then looks at the, the particular team structure and begins to say, okay, now here are some options and things to at least start with. And as I said before, you, what you may start with in, a, in a, a, a way of how you're adopting Agile may change after a month because you found that there's something that the team is doing that really works well. And you're like, okay, now you guys can graduate to maybe something else. Mm -hmm. Or there may be something that's not working. <laughs> so, honestly, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to say that I read the book and I totally understood it and I adopted the whole thing. It's, it's honestly not true. Um, I, uh, because yes, we let them be customer centric, but marketing is so different. Um, that we're not building a product necessarily all the time. I mean, we definitely build some campaigns and we definitely think about messaging and there's, there's elements of definitely thinking about the customer and putting ourselves in the customer's shoes of how we want to, to approach some of those things. But from a day in day out perspective, it's not like a feature when you're talking mm. about developers. And so mm -hmm. for us, I just took certain things off the shelf. I knew I wanted to do standups that was happening no matter what. I knew I wanted to do sprint planning, sitting down and talking client by client of what needed to get done and what the priorities were was something I was like, wow, yes, let's do that. Velocity mm -hmm. came later, retro came later. Yes. Um, and it was all from watching, again, the beauty of working from home for so long, my husband working from home for so long and getting to see some of the things that have worked for him and being able to pick them up that way. So mm -hmm. I can't really say that I read yeah. this book and magically figured it out. I certainly did not. Their scrum is, um, is very big and agile is very big and it can, it can get um, very, very big very quickly. And so the way I approached it was actually from a very agile way. I picked the thing off the shelf that resonated best with me. I figured out how that was going to impact our team. And then I, I grew it from there. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's the perfect way. It's a journey. Yes, absolutely. It's definitely a journey. And, and I think, um, you know, if you, you look back to say, okay, yes, we all know we've done it with the waterfall approach and we know those pain points, but now we have some interesting tools that we can leverage to make things better. And I, for one, I'm just all about trying to make things better all the time. And so I wish I had a coach because I think I would have gotten to so many things so much quicker. Um, I forgot so many elements or like, oh, right. You do need a coach and you do need somebody who's client centric. Like, yes, uh, mm -hmm. I need to figure out now I'm trying to figure out how I make sure I go rebuild that back in. Um, and you do need, there's the whole point of agile is being agile. And so you have mm -hmm. to be very careful and sort of, sort of where we are right now is we're at this crux where I think we've actually over-processed things. Mm. Um, and we need to pull back a little bit because we've lost our ability to be nimble. And yeah. you've reminded me, this, this conversation is so helpful for me, Lisa, because you reminded me of the true heart of what Agile is. And that's really what it is to be able to move thoughtfully and quickly and accordingly and with your with your audience and with the mm. river rather than trying to anticipate and then stick to your guns. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's, again, sometimes we get so wedded to our babies that we create <laughs> and we're like, no, but you gotta like this. And the customer's like, no, I, I don't like it. So you're like, oh, okay. And that's, that's really that, that being, have that mindset to say, you know, these challenges are gonna happen. So how you respond mm -hmm. to that feedback is just as important.
And the data. Yeah. Yep. And the data. Exactly. And we know data doesn't lie, right? Nope. <laughs> so it's not. Yeah. This was awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me. And uh, yeah, I, people, agile, make yes. it happen. Yes. Agile marketing. Make agile it happen. marketing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So that was my conversation with Lisa. Jenna, now having used Agile, uh, you mentioned using it at previous agencies and uh, some projects, but really having it part of your every day and really owning the process and having a heavy hand. You had, you did, you had a, a huge heavy hand and how we actually use aspects of of Agile and Scrum, um, from the sprint planning to the velocity points, and so on and so forth. You know, how has this changed? how you feel like you get work done nowadays compared to your previous agencies where Agile wasn't part of your workflow? I think the biggest change is one that you actually hit on uh, when we uh, did the intro of the, the episode, which is the personal accountability and clear roles that it gives to the team. Because I think that I spent a lot of time uh, in meetings in my last job that didn't need to happen um, if we just had kind of more clear cut roles uh, and also empower people to, to own their deliverables, which is really essential to succeeding um, in being agile and using Scrum. And I think that it was a, a huge change for me when I came here that I loved immediately was the fact that when I gave um, tasks to the team, I didn't need to check up on them. They could own that from start to finish if it was their deliverable, send that out to a client and it was ready to go as opposed to and, you know, it's a little different not, not doing a, um, a creative deliverable versus what we work on. But I really think it comes down to accountability and trust. And I, I really love that. And I like the fact that um, there's not so much time spent on these project trackers or these, like, big, long project planning. I mean, I spent sometimes <laughs> months <laughs> planning out projects with, with clients. And now we just are so much more able to, to be nimble um, and, and partner closer with them um, and be able to fill their, their now needs um, as well as looking at the big picture instead of just being stuck on that, at that road together. So that's been great. And I mean, we definitely still have room to grow. MKG has uh, changed size drastically since I started. I was the only account director when I started and now there's, now there's three of us. Um, so there's definitely some growing pains that we're dealing with to, to figure out how to continue to be agile. Um, some of our own old systems don't work as well and we're, we're needing to evolve, but that's kind of the beauty of, of agile too, is it's not a fixed system. It, it's made to adapt. One thing I, I just love what you said that I just want to like harp on a little bit is less meetings. Like that's such a key point about the beauty of, of agile is that it does have three sets of meetings that do need to happen between sprint planning, daily standups, and retrospective. But those three meetings, A, sometimes are faster, and B, allow you to decide whether you need a meeting to come out of that to go solve a specific problem that keeps the meeting then on task. We are here to solve this problem that was brought up in standup. Ready? Go. Or... Uh, it can be done asynchronously, which happens all the time as well. And I think it really does come down to this process, uh, less meetings, especially now, especially like, I feel like I have a little bit of, um, what have people been calling it? It's like zoom fatigue because <laughs> so much of what we're doing these days is 
video chats from client calls to internal meetings to then getting offline in the evening with our friends and family. Like we're on Zoom a lot. And if you don't have Agile in place, you might be on Zoom or video conferences even more than that. So yes, I would agree, Jenna. It is a game changer that way and a, a big shift in what's been so great for us. If you'd like to learn more about Agile for marketing, uh, check out Lisa Furrow on LinkedIn. You can find her link in the show notes. She'll be happy to reach out and have a conversation with you on how to get started. You could always grab the book too that we mentioned, uh, um, the Scrum book that's also in the show notes. Check it out. And like we said, you don't have to pick up the entire book and feel like you have to put all of these things in place. Even if you just started with a daily stand-up game changer, guys, daily stand-up, make it happen. Thank you for listening to the MKG podcast, the podcast that helps marketers grow their businesses using the four M's, the right means, messaging, media, and measurement. I'm your host, Carrie Gard. Until next time.